interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Well, good morning. Today is April 18th, and I'm glad to be here. Uh, my name is Scott Shera. I'm Grace's dad. And for those of you, of you who have been following, you know that uh, I believe God allowed Grace's premature death for a lot of different reasons. You know, certainly he is saving many lives as what he says he'll do in Genesis 50:20. But for me personally, uh, it was to wake me up. I was not awake before Grace died, and I realized how programmed I have been and still am. And ultimately, the title of this podcast is Deprogramming with Grace's Dad because of the fact that I'm waking up in real time and I would like to help other people do the same. So also, if you've been following, you know, everybody seems to want to uh, see something new about Grace. And so today, I, and I try to make it related to the guests. And so today I have some really neat things to show you about Grace as uh, cattle raiser. So Don, can you bring up the first picture of the newborn calf? So this calf, um, Grace named this calf Rosebud. Uh, so it looks everything great here. I mean, this is Rosebud at about an hour old, and but Rosebud didn't do so well. Uh, Rosebud would not uh, attach to get mama's milk. And so we ended up having to bring Rosebud inside with mama. You know, these are, <laughs> these are not trained animals. So we brought them inside and I ended up staying uh, overnight and inside the pen uh, for three days to get Rosebud uh, attached to mama's teats. So that was quite a deal. And I ended up milking uh, uh, milking mama to be able to do it. And, you know, mama's never been milked before. So it was, and uh, it was quite an experience. So then we, after the three days, we, you know, Rosebud made it and it was not, we weren't over it yet. She still had to, to learn to drink out of a bottle and then ultimately with mama. So we'll play the video of Grace feeding her with a bottle next. Job, Grace. So that was uh, when Rosebud, we knew she made it. This was day three and that was inside. So Grace was uh, helping me at that point because we knew Rosebud was going to make it. So then uh, the next thing we got Rosebud and Mama back outside into the pasture. So you can bring up that picture, Don. All right. So you can see Ro Rosebud had her first drink and she liked it. So that was that was pretty neat experience to see that. All right, so now we had to get to the point where who's going to be the mama? Is Grace or Mama going to be the mama? So you can bring up the next picture. So Grace and Mama had to have a discussion as to who's who's going to win here. And of course, uh, Grace gladly turned over the title to Rosebud's real mama. All right, so then now we move forward to um, the next picture, the last one. So this is uh, Rosebud now became a mama herself. So this was Rosebud's first calf, uh, which uh, the calf is now, um, the calf was born this past summer. And so it was pretty neat to see the first calf be born. 
So Grace never got to see that. And you can see the rosebud has that patch on her eye and the calf has the patch on, on its eye, which inter interesting is that uh, the color combination didn't come through. So it shows you that there was obviously the brown gene somewhere along the line. So my guest today is Tammy Garcia. I got to know Tammy because she had me on her podcast twice and uh, she's a pretty special lady. She is a holistic naturalist. She's a podcast host, which obviously you know because I mentioned it. She's a radio show personality. She's a health writer, homesteader, and spokesperson for health freedom. She began hosting the Naturally Inspired Podcast in 2019, where she interviews top minds in healthy lifestyle solutions and health freedom. You know, obviously I didn't fit into that because first I'm not a top mind and then my my lifestyle solutions uh, are mostly screwed up, but she chose to interview me anyway. She is a has a weekly show on AM talk radio and makes appearances on FM radio regularly. She believes wholeheartedly that community is the way back to health for Americans. Tammy's hosting the first annual naturally inspired health summit in Northern Colorado, Northern Colorado this June. And we're going to play that clip, the promotional clip for that at the end. In addition, Tammy is a homesteader. She owns 1890 Homestead, where she raises Scottish Highlander cattle. I didn't know what those were, so I looked them up and oh my gosh, they're cute. Uh, the little babies of the Scottish Highlanders, I mean, they're just lovable. She also raises chickens, turkeys, alpacas, and grows a robust garden with her family. So the question, I bring Tammy in, please, Don. Um, hi, so I Scott. had the first, hi, Tammy. So what did you think of the pictures of Grace? I loved it. I loved it. And it was, I can relate to that scenario just absolutely perfectly because same thing happened to our little blackie we had this uh we have scottish highlanders which are of course red right and uh we we didn't we didn't know that we were going to get this black calf and we got this black calf that was just absolutely adorable but she wouldn't latch either yeah. so it, it was just this this whole piece of having to go out there in the morning and um oh. i remember one morning going out there and i knew she was in trouble and I, I was just thinking, you know, we got up at 5.30 to go check on her and it, the whole way out to the to pasture, you're, my stomach's just turning because I don't know if I'm going to find a, a dead calf or an alive right. calf. And But we managed to pull her through just like Grace did, fed her just like Grace did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so, something. I mean, they've got to get that colostrum right away. So I mean, right. what, what I did when I saw that the calf wasn't latching on is I had some powdered colostrum. I mixed it up. Yep. I fed the calf a bottle right away. Um, and it did that. But um, it just it just kept getting worse. And so then yeah. the second day I brought it inside and, you know, these animals have never been on inside. So I lifted up the calf, bring it inside. And then, you know, mama naturally wants to follow the calf, but yep. you know, they're not used to going inside. So it was quite a while before mama would come in. And then, um, you know, like, you know, the, the trying to latch her on, you know, manually yes. doing it. And, you know, these are wild animals, essentially, although I mean, <laughs> yes. aren't wild like buffalo, but, you know, they're, yeah. um, you know, they're not used to being milked. I mean, and you know, this, it, it's interesting because mama now, I mean, she just, she, she, like we bonded and same yes. with Rosebud. Yes. It ended up that we bonded. It was pretty neat. So yes. incredible thing, story. Sorry. Before we, we jump in because it's, you know, Grace got the whole concept. 
you know, so when we started raising steers, my wife would say, well, I mean, we can't tell Grace what, you know, the end game is, and, you know, I, I, I disagreed with that. So, I mean, Grace, you know, she, she got, you know, we would tease naming them T-bone and sirloin and hamburger. Right. And anyway, so she got the idea of what the end game is. So this is my last uh, picture. It shows the end game. Don, you can bring that up. So that's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the goal folks. You yep. know, it's, it's not to just keep animals alive. I mean, they're, they're, our enjoyment while they're alive and they're for our enjoyment to eat also. So, yeah, that's what my friend, uh, Joel Salatin says, he says they have, you know, you provide them the very best life. They have great, great life every day and they have one bad day. <laughs> and that's how, it, and that's how it should be. They have one bad day. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I have never heard that. I really like that. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, you made had, my day with that. Yeah, we had a great experience with this little black calf that we had. Um, the mom seemed to know, uh, you know, I just think God, you know, he's, he, his plan was for us to be a steward of the land and to take care of these animals. But we are also kind of connected with them on another level that I can't really articulate that well. But one morning we went out there and this mama had known we were taking care of this calf and this calf was in trouble. And I kid you not, my husband was there. So we both saw it with our own eyes. This mama nudged this calf towards me. Like oh, here, wow. feed it, feed it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And like you yes. said, these were cows that, you know, aren't used to being inside. They, they're familiar with us, but they're not, you know, they're not the type of cows. Scottish Highlanders have huge horns. So right. you have to be real careful around them. You can't just lay on them like some of these big dairy cows people do. So it was just, you know, they're used to us, but she, she knew that baby was in trouble. And she knew every time that black truck drove out there that that baby was getting fed. And so there she was, the baby was clean to her and she just nudged her right over to me. Wow. It was remarkable. Yeah. That is, that's really special. Um, yeah. And that was like the bond I had when I, you know, I, you know, to milk the a cow that's never been milked. I mean, it's like, Oh man, yeah. Yeah. she could have killed me with one kick exactly and, uh, but they, she real it's like she realized this was a necessary piece and it was yes. it was neat yeah so i titled today's show wake up your body is a temple that has been programmed so we're going to get started yeah. this show is way different than most of the ones that i've done so far because we've been talking about evil and this is not talking about evil this is talking about good and it's neat to to do that as a change of pace. So uh, I'm going to ask yeah. you some questions. We'll just chat about it. And, you know, ultimately there will be some real good take homes from, from this discussion so that people can yes. at least take the first step. If you take the first step, the second step's easier than the third's easier, but if you take the first step towards your health today would be great. So, um, yeah. so the first question I have to get us rolling is how did you get started in natural health and why do you, what do you feel what do you feel is needed to to get people started yeah great question so i love the name of your program because it's deprogramming right and that's what you're trying to do get the message right. out there and it's so necessary well that applies to food as well cuz we have been programmed with our food um when we're born we don't we don't get an owner's manual of what we right. should eat we don't get told hey you know you have this blood type or you have these genetics, so you should eat in this way. 
And um, <clears throat> so we just do what we what we see in the world. We, we, we as parents model for our children, our parents modeled for us. That's how we learn to be a human. And part of that was learning how to eat. So when we hear all of this um, information coming from the allopathic medical model that, oh, you've got this disease because, um, you know, it's your genes. Uh, it's not necessarily true every time. You know, more than 90% of chronic illness is lifestyle related. And it's a very small percentage of disease comes specifically straight from genetics, very small. So we're doing something wrong in the allopathic model is we're, we're, we're plaguing people with this uh, way of thinking that you're doomed with your genetic makeup. And that's not true. You know, epigenetics determines more of the results we'll see in our health than our genetics do. So this requires deprogramming. We really have to deprogram people and help them understand that they were made perfectly whole. They were made, you know, in, in, in uh, wonderfully made and made in God's image. And there are no mistakes. And so, you know, you are equipped with what you need to thrive with your health. And that kind of happened to me. That realization happened to me. Oh, geez, my son's 19 now. So when he was two, uh, my daughter was born premature when he was two. So she was about six months old when this happened. And um, being premature baby can be very scary. Well, they, they really let you know how scary it is, let me tell you. <laughs> they say, oh, you won't be able to breastfeed. You won't be able to do this. You know, she'll probably be delayed. She'll probably have some learning issues. I wasn't having any of that. My husband and I are not the victim type people. We weren't going to have any of that. So yep. we said, okay, thank you very much. We'll take our baby home. And I was able to bre breastfeed her fully. And, um, you know, she was thriving once I got her home. She really started beefing up and we had a really good time with her. But um, they were adamant about this thing called RSV. Because she was a premature baby, they were very... Uh, you know, fear mongering about RSV, you yeah. guys need to get the flu shot, you guys need to get the flu shot. If this premature baby gets RSV, she's going to die. That's, that's basically what they told us. And we had never gotten a flu shot before. When we, we, you know, we just, we just never thought we needed it. We were young, you know, we were barely 30. And um, we just thought, well, we don't, we don't need a flu shot. But they insisted at this, at this time that we went for a well baby check that we all get a flu shot to protect our daughter. And so we did. And uh, ten, yeah, 10 days later, um, my son threw up once and then um, he proceeded to get uh, bloodied eyes. Um, so blood burst blood vessels in his eyes. He was getting bruising all over him. And, you know, of course, we whisked him off to the ER and where we sat for many hours um, with the possibility, all, all that we knew at the time was the doctors were thinking it was leukemia. And so we were petrified, absolutely petrified, young parents with a newborn as well. And, um, you know, we just prayed, we just prayed and prayed and prayed in that emergency room like I've never prayed before. And my husband went home because he felt like something wasn't quite right, that they maybe weren't on to the right track. He thought, no, this can't be what it is. So he went home and, you know, this was 2006. So we had an old computer and stuff and he sat down there and did some research. And uh, he was able to figure out that what 
my son was going through was actually actually thrombocytopenia. And that is something that happens as a side effect from vaccines. Oh, and yeah, so he came flying back to the hospital and he told the doctors that this is what he thought it was. And, um, you know, they took his word and, and kind of, you know, went away and made some calls and whatnot. And then they came back and they said, no, it's idiothrombocytopenia, which means they don't know why it happened. Oh, of so, course. Yeah, they yeah. can never admit that it was was a right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we took that with like, whatever, we just wanted our kid healthy, you know? Yeah. So we did what we needed to do. Um, we were in the hospital for a bit with him and then we finally got released and praise God, he fully recovered and has never had another episode of that Fantastic. again. Yeah. So, but what that did, Scott, was that led us to understanding that doctors make mistakes. That led us to understand that we were the primary people responsible for our, our children's health, that we needed to be educated. Because once we found out that this was a listed side effect on the insert, which by the way, most doctors don't know, they have no clue that there are side effects to vaccines. And why would they? Why would they? I didn't go back to my doctor's office after my son had that episode. I went to the emergency room. Right. So my primary care physician never puts the pieces together and the emergency doc never puts the pieces together. So this is kind of what happens. And, you know, continually people, parents like myself get gaslit, told that that's not what it was. Right. That's not what it was. So we kind of flew under the radar, but we completely changed the way we treated, we looked at our health, we started researching and we started, uh, you know, going to health seminars and attending conferences and getting any certificate that we could to kind of uh, empower ourselves to know more about how to take care of our family. But the primary thing was nutrition, Scott. We really just, you know, there, there couldn't have been more evidence to prove that you are what you eat. I mean, that's such an old wives tale folks thing, old, you know, thing to say, but it's so true. It is so true. So we really cleaned up our diet. We went all organic. We, we made sure kids were not eating a lot of dyes and chemicals and, and things of that nature. And I'll tell you what, neither one of those kids has been on antibiotics or needed to go to the doctor for any kind of anything other than like a checkup since that's uh, that's absolutely outstanding yeah um i got clued into this six years ago when i was diagnosed with heart disease that's the first time i really dug into things and you know now that i've become a, a full-time advocate you know i see a lot of things that i would have been blind to before like 80 percent of urine has glyphosate in it okay yep. well that that you know that cannot be good you know, so just process right. that. So that would lead you to naturally go to organic food. Then you realize what you said that um, the the society through the government and big pharma has a vested interest in convincing us this is genetic. And mm -hmm. because then they can provide the cure if it's genetic versus right. you provide the cure if it's not genetic. So, right. you know, the programming is deep. It is really yes, it deep, is. and it's been going on for decades. And uh, as I was thinking about um, 
interviewing you, I want to talk about the next question. So, you know, this, obviously we've got to get this in our homes, right? Mm -hmm. So you said, I mean, we've got, it's part of the training. If we're trained in our home to eat right, well, then the, your kids are going to get trained to eat right. And their kids are going to get trained to eat right. So we got the habits that are in the, have to be developed in the home. And I want you to comment on that, but I'm going to, an old story I remembered as I was preparing for our interview was a young couple got married and his wife was making their first meal and it was a roast. And she cut off both ends of the roast and put in the pan and and so the husband asked her, what's the reason you're doing that? And she said, well, my, that's how my mom always did it. And so uh, he wasn't satisfied with that answer. So when they got together with her parents the next time, he asked her mother, you know, your daughter made a roast for the our first meal and she cut off both ends of the roast. And she said that you taught her how to do that. So why do you do that? And she said, well, because my mom showed me how to do that. That's how she always cooked the roast. So grandma was still alive, so he's still not satisfied. So he he talks to grandma and says, you know, the story, you know, my wife did this and, you know, she blamed it on her mom and ultimately it's coming to you. So what is the reason that you cut off both ends of the roast? And she said, well, the reason I did it is it wouldn't fit in the pan. <laughs> yeah, so, that's but that's, so accurate. So that just shows you the, the power of tradition. You know, yes. and, you know, so the message should be until you know the why, you know nothing. So that husband in the example did what he's supposed to do. Your husband did what he's supposed to do when you couldn't figure it out and the doctors aren't giving you the answer. Let's figure this thing out. Dig yourself. And that's you know ultimately what you did. And now you're trying to wake up people. So um, absolutely. Yes, 100%. And it does start in your home because the so much power is lies in the subconscious, right? We don't we don't realize the habits we've picked up or why. It's just like when we drive home from somewhere and we we kind of go in our zone, we're thinking about the list we have of activities we have to do during the day or what right. have you. And so we don't think about, well, how did we get home? It's the same thing with our with our health habits, right? We've been so programmed. If you're not growing up watching, you know, your mom and dad get out there and run marathons or make activity a priority in their life, right? Most people make work a priority because they right. have to, but they don't make activity a priority. And right. so that's what happens with kids. They say, oh, well, my work needs to be my priority. Yeah. Well, certainly your work needs to be priority. You have to have ethics, but guess what? You can't work when you're dead. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. I, uh, um, you know, I, when that's one thing I reflect on now that grace isn't, isn't here is, um, you know, I got to see minus as a dad. And a lot of that was because I worked too hard. You know, I thought my responsibility was to make sure that we had a nest egg for grace after we're gone so that she could be taken care of. And, you know, obviously that uh, led to working too hard. Um, but I won't, don't want to go on that rabbit trail right now. I'm not, uh, I'm not a victim either. And so it's just, yeah. you know, it just, you, you don't want to make the same mistake again. And you know, I, I don't want to make that same mistake again. So right. I'm doing what I'm doing now for that reason. So exactly. you, you had mentioned to me that food supply isn't designated for health, but it's designated right. for profits. Yes. How do you, I mean, I, I intuitively would believe that, but how do you see, what's the evidence? 
Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, our, our health, our, our food supply has changed drastically since, and it started in the eighties. So before we used to see all these products on the shelf, you know, you know, three different kinds of ketchup, say, or, you know, 50 different kinds of chips. We used to see all these different products on, on the grocery store. Well, we still see all these different products, but the difference is they're owned by one company. So we're, we are down to a handful of companies, Scott, that, that control our entire food supply. Yeah, that's dangerous. It's very dangerous. So on one hand, our government recently has decided that, you know, maybe having chickens in your backyard or growing your own food could be a cause of alarm towards biosecurity. I don't know if you've heard this term, but... I haven't. Oh my gosh. Yes. Biosecurity. So this is where we started to see this kind of infringement on our freedoms during COVID, which I know you're well aware of. Mm -hmm. This was one that was kind of creeping up and it was um, saying, well, you can't grow your own food because, you know, it might be contaminated. This is a threat to our biosecurity, our other food supply. Maybe you've heard of the stories of the farmers that, you know, were their their crops were infiltrated by GMOs by Monsanto. Yeah, I, yeah, mm -hmm. I have. Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of a blanket way to look at biosecurity, right? They really want to control this seed. They really want to control these crops. And so what they're going to use again, just like they did with COVID, is they're going to use this excuse of safety, right? We want to keep your food safe. Oh boy. Mm -hmm. So if you are growing your own chickens, if you are raising your own beef, if you are growing your own vegetables, you need to be really aware of this and you need to push back in your state against this. Recently in Colorado, they've now brought in new legislation to tighten it up. Um, they're restricting how you can raise chickens in, in your backyard, or if you even can raise chickens, they have to be raised in a certain way. Now, this all sounds really good on the outside, you know, it's keeping everybody safe or whatever, but that's not the final agenda here, Scott. That's not right. what it's pushing for. This is a power grab to grab full control of our food supply. And it's happening. It's happening. It's been happening. So these big companies are slowly buying up and it's in, we're getting to the end now where they almost, they own almost everything. I think it's down to nine companies total that own everything. everything. So what is, what is that term that you use? Biosecurity? Mm -hmm. that's, Biosecurity. Okay, so that's, so how, when I'm hearing this, what it sounds like to me is a lot of how they use um, dialectics to get us thinking about things incorrectly. So, yeah. you know, they're burning down factories Yes. Food production factories and killing cattle, you know, mm -hmm. that's so that gets in the news, but this doesn't get in the news, the biosecurity thing. So they're doing this so that they can work on the thing that biosecurity is way more important to stop versus 18,000 cattle being slaughtered. And, sure. uh, you know, yeah. so if we can't grow our own food to protect ourselves, I mean, this mm -hmm. is that's you know this is the same no different than mandating the jab absolutely mandating what we eat they're going to kill us through through the food oh every every part of our lives is under attack right now 
And so that's why it's so important that we all work together and everybody seems to kind of be championing a, a piece of the puzzle here. You know, right. I talk a lot about food and nutrition and health. You're talking about deprogramming yourself from the medical model and what happened to grace and how that could happen to everybody. And that this is an assault on humanity. Yes. This is an assault on humanity. But everyone seems to have a little piece of the puzzle. And that's why it's so important that we have these conversations because the, our food supply is, de is most definitely under attack. Not only are you what you said about the, you know, these things that we're seeing in the in the mainstream media, like the thousands of chickens killed or, you know, uh, beef plants blowing up. I mean, it's it's happening over and over again with all the dead cattle in Kansas that we saw last summer that they claimed was heat. Um, this is, this is all ammunition for them to turn around and use against the small farmer to say, oh, it's dangerous. It's, you, you know, you're, you're, these are terror attacks and it's dangerous to raise your own food. Plus we can't control the quality of your food and someone may be killed, right? This is, this is how they're going to frame it for the general yeah, public. Yeah. No, that's, and uh, so, that's, that's good. Yeah, we, that we you're have exposing this. This is an angle. I I was watching the ball over here. I was not aware of the the real thing that they're working on. Why well, I'm yeah. glad you brought this up. Yeah. So, I mean, now more than ever, I think that everybody needs to be modeling that behavior for their kids, you know, learn how to grow a few vegetables in your backyard, get a few chickens in your backyard. The misconception is that you have to have all this land to be successful to produce anything, right? And that's just not the truth. There are simple solutions. And this way your child starts to learn too. This is a big part of modeling that behavior that, you know, I believe that we're intended, God intended for us to have a symbiotic relationship with our food. We can't just be taker, takers, takers, takers. You drive up through the drive-thru, you just take. You didn't earn that. You didn't earn that. This We have to go back to a more of a symbiotic relationship where we're taking care of the earth and the earth takes care of us. And we do that by being a steward of the land ethically raising animals, using the ecosystem to, to its benefit. Regenerative farming is needs to make a huge comeback. You know, I have interviewed several regenerative farmers now, and it's just fascinating. Will Harris of uh, um, White Oak Pastures, he told me a story about his dad. His dad, you know, he's like a fourth generation farmer in Georgia, Will is. And his dad, um, when he was farming, you know, the small town in Georgia and uh, these fertilizer salesmen showed up out of nowhere and they invited all the farmers to the park and they said, well, we're going to grill up some hot dogs and we're going to give you some free fertilizer, right? And this fertilizer, you know, weed killer type stuff, they, the farmers took it and they went out and they put it on, on their pasture and, and, uh, you know, the salesman had said, you put that stuff down in a few days, you're going to have the greenest pasture you've ever seen in your life. Right. And so they were like, okay, great. And, uh, Will's dad was one of those farmers. He did just that. And he went and he put it on his pasture and sure enough, poof, this grass was greener and better and less weeds and everything was great. Um, and so that's how they kind of started getting sucked into this industrialized farming model. Yeah. And it never occurred to them that they were killing their soil. 
They were killing off their soil. So at some point, you know, Will, uh, he's running the farm now. At some point in the 90s, he realized, oh my gosh, we can't keep doing this. You know, they were experiencing erosion and problems. And and so he went back and he decided, even though it's going to cost me a lot of money and I may lose money in the beginning, if I want to be in this for the long haul, I need to go back to the right way of farming, which means one system feeds the next. You know, so like here on my farm, I learned actually from Joel Salatin that my chickens should be following my cows. So we built a a chicken trailer and it's on a trailer on wheels and you just pull it along the pasture and and the chickens pick up after the cows. Not only that, they're aerating the, the pasture, you know, so this is and we have bees now on the farm because the bees are pollinating our garden. And we're giving them a place to live. You know, this this is a cycle. And we've gotten so far away. We've broken the cycle, right? Yeah. Now we grow things in lab lab tubes and Petri dishes. And, and we have scientists come in and they try to, you know, manufacture the greatest, most explosive flavor that will trigger your excitotoxins in your brain so that you don't want to stop eating those chips. That's yeah. how our food is made. It's yep, not made well, out here in the pasture anymore. It's not earned. You know, it's concocted. It's, it's concocted. Uh, it's, I learned, you're right on again. I mean, I I read a book called Undoctored by Dr. William Davis. He's a cardiologist that he got out because he saw what you saw. I mean, he was he was in cardiology, but what he saw was the funding of... So we we think, okay, the American Heart Association, they're good, right? Yeah. Well, he saw the funding. So he he in his book, he shows an example of how how did Cheerios get labeled a heart healthy food? You know, as I studied heart disease, I realized it's not Cheerios are not a heart healthy food. I can't have that if I'm going to manage my heart disease without pills, which I am. I don't take yes. any pills. You know, everything is food and supplements to manage yeah. the blood chemistry that is part of the heart disease. So anyway, his book helped me to to see the uh, connection with with money. So the American Health the American Heart Association how they gave the seal of approval is General Mills paid them 100 million dollars. Absolutely. So, you know, it's it's sickening. Yes. Um so you you introduced a term to me that I want to have you comment on. I had to look it up because I didn't know what greenwashing was. But yes. So I, I want to just, so I'm going to just share a, my dumb view of greenwashing. Uh, so <laughs> so if uh, you went to the store today and you wanted to buy this, this ruler, you know, how they, what they would have on the package is they would put in on the package that this ruler is in that it's gluten-free. Well, (laughs) so that's how I would, that's how I'm going to introduce, that's how I'm introducing greenwashing. So go ahead. Absolutely. That is, that is bang on. Um, Greenwashing is something that everybody needs to learn about. It's also known as green sheen, which means, you know, they're packaging something to get you to believe a certain 
thing about it. Like it's, it's healthy, it's organic, it's, um, you know, made in an ethical way. And they do that with packaging. Um, you know, so if you, you look at packages that are brown, they have brown paper on them maybe, or, you know, a bunch of leaves like drawn on them. So it makes it look more earthy, more organic. Right. But when you get down to it, what you find out is that it's like Nestle that makes this <laughs> Nestle food company, right? Which yeah, is guilty of right, all right. kinds of things, right? There's glyphosate and products like, and I'm not just picking on Nestle. It's it's all products, right? Like you mentioned before, 80% of, of, of human urine now has glyphosate in it, which, you know, they're paying out uh, lawsuits. Monsanto is paying lawsuits out for glyphosate being known to cause cancer. So, you know, this right. is the greenwashing and this really affects our regenerative farmers, which I also like to talk about because see someone like Will Harris has been producing cattle for, you know, his entire family line has been doing this for generations. And he was one of the first kind of organic beef in whole foods. And uh, he, but he painstakingly raises these cattle. You know, he makes sure that his soil is good. He doesn't use a drop of chemicals in, in his product. He's, you know, moving cows around properly to take care of the soil. He's got bees out there. He's got, you know, all this whole regenerative ecosystem going. These are the healthiest cows you could possibly raise. And so he deserves to be in Whole Foods, right? Because that's his product. Yeah. But he is only one farmer, right? He's one farmer. So he's got to meet his cost to get that steak on your table. Now, these massive companies who are involved in ind industrial uh, farming, they can sell beef dirt cheap because it doesn't cost them what it costs Will to make that steak. And then they pick up some small little line, uh, you know, that does a half, you know, half job of raising organic, you know, maybe they feed them organic grain or something, but certainly not to the level of what Will does. And Whole Foods puts that steak right beside Will's at a lower cost. Yeah. So this is telling, why they're not telling it, the entire truth. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And this is going on down the line. It's not just our beef. It's every single food item. So it may be trendy to buy organic, but what we need to do is educate the consumer to really do their research on who they're buying their meat from, who they're buying their everything from, because this so is just how we because fight back. Two products are side by side, both say organic. That is not, that's not the test. That's right. So you actually have to go into the manufacturer of the product to find out where where are they at, what are their processes in order to put that in on the grocery store shelf. That's what absolutely you're yeah, exactly because that is I a way better better product that Will is producing, and he's not able to you know get the profits off of his his junk food that he's selling you know under a different label, like the other big companies are doing and that's greenwashing and whole foods has been really i mean he calls out when i interviewed will he called that out on my podcast so you know i'm not wow. saying anything he hasn't said he's not very happy with that model because they claim and many many people claim to be natural these these are key buzzwords but it, in all reality there are still some small farmers like in my area that do everything properly but they don't have the organic label label because that also costs money 
Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, this so, I mean, whole... the local local farm is by far and away the best, whether they have an organic seal or not. Correct. I would. I mean, you'd have to look into the the function of the farm because certainly some farmers have been industrialized, right? Sure. They've been. They, so sure. you really do have to do your due diligence. But yes, I mean, we shouldn't. We should be. My goal is to help people find a way to cut out the grocery store. You should be in direct contact with your your cattle producer. They should know your name. You should know their name. You know, you should, there should be transparency. Like these farmers that I, I study, they, they don't have a problem with you coming right on their land and look at how their farm runs. You bet. These industrial farmers have these giant walls. They look like prisons. They got their chickens, you know, locked up in, in, in prison cells. They don't want you there. The reason why they don't want you there is because they don't want you to see what they're doing. Because what they're doing is quite honestly disgusting. And you're eating that. And then we wonder why we have the highest rate of disease in the country we have ever seen. So what I aim to do is really educate people that, hey, we don't, you know, we don't need to fight. We don't, we don't need to, you know, tear down this or, or, or get, you know, really aggressive with people. You know what we need to do? Stop spending your money there. Shift your money to who deserves it. You know, you don't have to buy as much beef if you're getting quality beef. You will notice that once you start eating whole foods, you don't need to eat as much because it's hard to overeat on a vitamin rich uh, food versus something that carries very little nutrition. You can overeat on something. I mean, you can eat a whole bag of potato chips, right? But who who eats a, a whole pack of butter? This <laughs> 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 is disgusting, right? Uh, you so, go, you go first. <laughs> exactly. But this is we've been trained to think that we need to eat low fat, that we need to right. um, you know, we need to keep things snacking, you know, five meals a day when actuality it's the opposite. You need to eat hearty, dense foods that are full of nutrition and have less snacks in your diet. These uber processed foods is what's contributing to the decline of our health. And we have never been more unhealthy. So we have all this technology, all these prescriptions, all these procedures, and we have never been more unhealthy. We have children with fatty liver disease, fatty liver disease it used to be something just for alcoholics, right? Somebody who had a diseased liver was coming from alcoholism back in the 50s or so. Now we're seeing it in young children. And why are we seeing it in young children? Because they're eating 75 grams worth of sugar before they even leave the house. Cereal is not a healthy food. Yeah, Cereal is full of sugar, preservatives, and dyes which consequently in other countries, even in Canada, like I grew up in Canada, when I moved to the United States, I noticed a difference in food in the way it tasted, particularly dairy. I was like, oh, I, it, yogurt did not taste the same at all. So I just stopped eating yogurt when I moved to the States. And one of the reasons why is because some of the dyes that we have in the United States that are perfectly legal uh, are illegal in places like Canada and the UK. So if you do the research, you'll find that some of the products that we have both in, in all countries, they'll be made differently because 
it's cheaper to make. Yeah. American standards for food is the, probably the lowest in the world. What we consider food, other people wouldn't give to their dog. And that's again, because of programming, they tie our, our emotions to the, to food, right? You can't go to a baseball game without having a hot dog, but they won't dare you tell you what's in that hot dog. Yeah. That's uh that's, that's right on. And you know, the, the programming is all about creating disease so then they can manage the disease. It's not about, it has not, you know, to, we have, we have a perception that these government regulatory health agencies are there for our protection. Um, they're not there for our protection at all. And, you know, that's a, that is a huge deal. Let's, let's um, go through a few absolute no's. So people, I, you know, I always like to have, you know, this is what you're talking about is, is right on. But if somebody is at ground zero, yes. of course they can't, you know, they can't get to a 10 overnight, but we can go through a list of, okay, these are, what are the top three things that, okay, if you had three things that you could have somebody do right away positively, mm -hmm. what would they do? And three things that you should just, just get rid of them, never do it again. So yeah. I would guess like number one on that list is never go through a fast food drive through again, ever. But I don't know. <laughs> you, it's your, I want you to go through the list. Yeah. I just, I'm just trying well, to process it. Definitely. I mean, you're right. You can't change everything overnight. And and sometimes we tend to do that when we grasp on to some of these fad diets, which I am not a fan of fad diets at all. I think fad diets like have have really damaged us and our health yes. in this country. Some of them are so unreasonable. And, you know, people have now think you have to torture yourself to be healthy. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. A great thing to do is just pick three things. Pick three things. And if it's three things feels overwhelming, pick one thing. Pick one thing that you can do to start changing your habit. Because guess what? When you start healthy habits, they're contagious. You want to do more. You're like, well, I'm drinking more water, so I might as well go for a walk. Like, it's just weird. This is what happens to your brain. <laughs> your brain's like, I like that. I would like to add more. So some of the things that I um, always work with my clients about, because I help people get on track with their nutrition, um, is I say, okay, let's, let's do three things that we just, we're not going to stop anything. We're going to add things. Because when we come from a place of thinking we're going to be deprived, it automatically triggers willpower. And willpower isn't sustainable. Right. You don't you don't come it from a willpower um, point of view. You want to come from it from a point of view that I'm starting things that I like to do. I'm going to add things in, and by adding things in, you squeeze bad things out. It just happens naturally. So one of the things that I always advise people to do is focus on protein. How much yeah. protein are you getting in a day? So if you can say, oh, I'm going to eat whatever I want, but I'm going to make sure that I get adequate protein. And adequate protein for somebody over 40 is one gram per pound of body weight. So if you want to, if you want to weigh 130 pounds, you're going to need 130 grams of protein a day. So that's something you can track. And once you realize, oh, these are high protein foods, this is low protein food. That's another thing too. Like peanut butter has been highly touted as a protein source. It is not. 
It is not a high protein source compared to eggs and beef and chicken and turkey and pork and, you know, some of these other items, tofu even. Um, these things are high in protein, right? You can you can focus on that very simply. And by, by I'm as glad a you put tofu down at the bottom. Yeah. That's, that, yeah, that is certainly not <laughs> well, going to be on my I'm list. Not, like, yeah, I'm not a fan, but you know, other people are. Um, so that's an easy thing you can do because when you start focusing on protein, guess what? You feel more nourished, you feel fuller longer. And so you consequently eat less of garbage because you don't feel the need to snack. So it's an easy thing to do. Um, the second thing I think people get overwhelmed with is exercise. Well, I have some good news for you because exercise is actually... 20% of the formula. It's 80% nutrition when it comes to your health. 20% is, is, is just perfectly fine. So walking, just walk, get outside and walk. Not only when you get outside to walk, are you helping, you know, your body get moving and whatnot, but you're, you're regulating your hormones because you're taking in that vitamin D. And which leads me to the third thing that people do not put enough emphasis on, which is sleep. Sleep is so important to your health. So, you know, a lot of people are struggling thinking, I'm not going to eat that cookie. I'm not going to eat that cookie. Eat the darn cookie if you must have it. Get yourself eight hours of sleep. Because sleep is, is and if when you you're... get eight hours of sleep, you're going to have less time to eat cookies. So I That's get true. it. You're, 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 you are you're a uh, you're a master at. I'm impressed with that thought process. Yes, it it just pushes out all the bad habits by just implementing, adding new stuff instead of telling yourself that you have to give all everything you love up. Especially when we've been programmed to think that food is tied to our emotions. And moms, we're totally guilty of this because it's hard for us. We, we want our kids to be taken care of. One of that way, one of the ways we do that is feeding them. We want to make sure they have treats and that they're happy and, and we show our love through food. But the, the conditioning is that that food that we've been conditioned to show them our love with is not helping or being, you know, creating healthy results. So, so rethink it. But this, back to the sleep, um, one thing that uh, people don't realize is that it affects your uh, ghrelin uh, hormones, really impacts your sleep, sleep does. So when you, um, when you say like, if you've ever been hungover, you oh, wake yeah. up in the that, morning. That's happened, that's happened a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> you wake up in the morning and you feel just awful, right? Well, part of that is because your hormones it didn't get a chance to get properly regulated. And so your hunger hormone is high. And so that's why you crave food. It's the same thing what happens, the same hormone that's triggered from smoking cannabis, right? From smoking marijuana. It's the same hormone. So um, you have to make sure you balance the leptin and the ghrelin with getting enough sleep. And those hormones, one makes you feel satisfied and one makes you feel hungry. And so when you don't get enough sleep chronically, guess what happens? You're constantly wanting to snack because that hormone is high. So if you get adequate sleep, you're, you're, you're arming yourself with the best ammunition for the day. So, so these are things that people don't know. And, and Americans are chronically sleep deprived. 
Because we have this culture of, I mean, it's become a response now. And I've noticed that through the years, that it's 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 a it's a response when someone asks you how you are, you say, I'm busy. I'm busy. Yeah. That instead of saying, you know, I'm good, I'm happy, I feel great, or you know, it's I'm busy. And this is kind of a badge of honor for us because we are a hardworking nation and we value people who work hard and we equate that with success, which, you know, is certainly true to a certain degree, but success can be measured by your health too. Like if someone's got bad health, well, how successful are they? And we see too many people, especially millionaires, billionaires, walking around in a state of not great health. You know, look at Bill Gates. He's he's walking around telling us how to take care of our health. He's probably one of the unhealthiest men I've seen in the news recently. You know, he's packing around a, a pot belly and his skin looks, you know, terrible. <laughs> he, he's not the healthiest man. And well, yet everyone values vaccines, him. If he's taking all the vaccines he's recommended, then he, yeah. you know, I, you know, of course, I don't believe he's taking one of them. But yeah, uh, no. You know, that's, that's what I would expect he'd look like. Uh, yeah. Wow. So I want to review these so that I, I've got them down. I think this is really, so enough sleep. Yeah. Yes. I, that's thankfully one of the gifts God gave me is that I can, uh, I almost never have a bad night's sleep. So that's been, that's good. Great. Um, simple exercise, getting out vitamin D outside, simple exercise, walking. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's, uh, fantastic i think that that's um that's right on and then high protein yes so, i mean i noticed that once i had heart disease i started to go with a, a high protein high fat you know because it was it, it isn't a fad diet it just becomes nope. a lifestyle change yes and so one of the things that i cut out was bread mm -hmm. um and I, I'm not saying that people should cut out bread unless you tell, say that they should. But I mean, it was recommended with the blood chemistry that I had, um, you know, that that was a problem. So I replaced bread with high protein, high fat, and I ate a lot less. You know, yes. I just was not as hungry. That's uh, right. And it truly changed. I mean, it really was, you know, I, I love bread. You know, and part of that is programming, right? Remember, mm -hmm. we had the food pyramid. Well, you're you're younger than I am, but when I was in school, I mean, the health class they had the food pyramid. Yes. That's the basis of everything, and yeah. your breads is right at the bottom. You got to have your daily oh, supply yeah. of bread. Yeah, uh, and the problem with that is that bread is garbage. You know, and this is this is another thing that's emerging new in nutrition science is they're finally recognizing satiety. So making sure that you eat to, to feel satiated. This wasn't before they were starving you, telling you low fat and, you know, watch your calories and, you know, just eat things that are that are low in calories. Well, the, the problem with that is that a lot of those foods don't make you feel satiated. So that's another thing that people need to realize. Like, it's not about... Um, calorie counting as much as of course you have to be in a calorie deficit if you do want to lose weight but you'll find it much easier to be in a calorie deficit if you're satisfied right so if you if you've if you tended to your satiety urge right then then you will find it much easier to stay in a reasonable calorie de deficit and that doesn't mean you you know go down to 1200 calories a day 
which by the way, nobody should be eating that less, that amount of food. Well, right? I, I noticed that when I, when I changed over with, you know, so like even this, when I eat a steak, I eat the fat now and versus yes. cutting it off uh, because the fat's healthy. So, yes. you know, I could eat whatever, you know, I started eating whatever I, you know, the volume of food that I wanted, but it was in the right categories. And, you know, without even trying, I lost 40 pounds. Yes. Uh, how is that even possible? I mean, I'm not, you know, in the old, the old programming was you got to count calories, right? Yep. Uh, and so that's how you lose weight is counting calories. Well, then in, you know, I, I changed because of heart disease and all of a sudden, holy cow, I lost 40 pounds. How is that even yes. possible? Because I'm eating yes. all, it seems like I'm eating more. Yes. And, and, and you're, you're eating more nutrient rich foods and that's why, and nobody's been conned harder on this than women, especially women my age, because we grew up in the eighties and nineties where low fat and eating like a bird was right. the prescription to be healthy and fit. And that couldn't have been further from the truth. That could not have been further from the truth. It was a complete con and lie. And people should realize that science is funded. And those scientific studies are funded. And if you're seeing a new fad pop up, that should be the first question in your mind. Okay, so what, what study has recently come out to fund this product. So we're seeing a rise now in this diabetic medication, this injectable diabetic uh, medication that's being used for weight loss. Because so I think it's, it starts uh, it starts with an O, it's, uh, I can't say it, it's Ozpandemic Oz or something like that. It's, it's a weird name, I'm sorry, I'm completely butchering it. <laughs> I should have writ written it down. Um, but anyway, there's two, two companies that are making it. It's an injectable diabetic medication actually, and young children are being permitted to use it. Yeah. It has, it's being used, um, yes. Ozempic. Thank you. <laughs> O-Z-E-M-P-I-C. Yeah, I've seen the commercials for that. Yes. yes. Thank you so much. That was terrible. <laughs> I really butchered it. <laughs> anyway, um, this, this medication is being used for weight loss now. And it, of course, is being used off-label. So keep in mind, we weren't allowed to use the ivermectin as an off-label uh, treatment for COVID, right? But this, this product is being welcomed into the marketplace as an off-label use for weight loss. And it does have side effects. I'm already seeing and hearing of people being hospitalized from using this with rapid heartbeats and, and uh, changes in, 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 in heart uh, activity. So definitely want to keep your eye on that. I'll tell you, they won't ever probably give this FDA approval because once they give it FDA approval, that means they'll be held accountable for it. And this is a dangerous way to lose weight. Again, this paradigm of the allopathic model trying to you know, change something with slapping a, a Band-Aid on it like this drug, that, that this is what they do. They don't get down to the root cause. Why are you overweight? That's what we need to know. And then you have to start on the journey of understanding why you're overweight. Because when you take the journey, you transform yourself into the person you need to be to maintain the results. Yeah, if you don't so take the journey... You will never know what it takes to maintain the results that you want. You will be reliant on injections like this and for pills and procedures for the rest of your life to, to stay what you would, you know, assess as a healthy body. 
and it's not health. So people, again, you know, nothing, there's no free lunch. There's no free lunch. You got to do the work. But the beautiful part is, is you're going to love who you turn into as you transform doing the work. Because you're finally going to be the person that you've wanted to be. You're going to be the person that can stay active. You're going to be the person that can keep up with your grandchildren. You're going to be the person that enjoys going to farmer's markets and has built this lifestyle of health in, into your family's way of living. And, and that is no one can take that from you. And that's sustainable. That's true sustainable health. Growing your own vegetables, you know, being able to understand the symbiotic nature of our food. That's, that's something no one will be able to take from you. And you can carry that forward through generations as you're teaching your kids. It's so, so important. This, they're selling you lies here. This is, this is hope, right? Weight Watchers, consequently, has just bought this drug. You can get a lifetime membership to Weight Watchers. Why would you need a lifetime Weight Watchers if they're arming you? <laughs> if they're arming you with the tools you need to be successful. I mean, that tells you they're right there. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Uh, oh, this right. is ridiculous. It, it really comes to you know, we have a responsibility to use our discernment skills and our critical thinking skills. And you know what you did here today was lay that out in an area that. Uh, isn't talked about enough. This is this has been fantastic, and you're actually doing something about it, which is which is even better. So I do want to share this before I go into close, and then I'll I'll give you the final word. But I want to talk about your your health summit coming up. So before Don plays the clip, do you want to introduce what you've got coming up, Tammy? So people absolutely so. Yeah, I want to, you know, we walk our talk here in my household. We we um, are dedicated to helping people understand how to achieve health for themselves. And with all the censorship we've experienced, I know, Scott, you've probably experienced a lot too, um, but I've been trying to get this word out since 2019. And, you know, with COVID and talking about natural solutions, I was heavily censored. So instead of beating my head up against the wall, I said, I need to get out in my own community. I need to get out and spread this word. So I started attending small groups all around um, our area and I decided we need to come together um, and talk about this lifestyle change that needs to happen. We need to send a clear message to big pharma, big insurance that, hey, we're not buying your crap anymore. So we decided to throw our first annual naturally inspired health summit. And we've invited all kinds of practitioners who uh, practice acupuncture and frequent and massage and oh my goodness there's so many vendors now coming natural cleaning products people who understand the value in products that contribute to a healthy life they're going to come and join us so we have 50 vendors that are wow. coming yeah, we're really excited. And then we have um, some nationally known uh, speakers coming to join us. Dr. Peter McCullough is going to be there to spread the news about what he knows about the COVID vaccines and whatnot. Dr. Ben Tapper is going to be joining us, which he's been really outspoken, just a wonderful human being, um, telling people how to get healthy way before COVID. He was talking vaccine talks in his little tiny chiropractic office, you know, 15 years ago. So it's just a treat to have him there. Um, and we have Patrick Wood from Technocracy News coming to talk to us about 
uh, how this tech is going to be affecting us. And by the way, tech is in our food as well. If you're not aware of that, that's something, you know, you definitely want to look into. So we are super excited. Not only that, we've integrated local speakers that'll be sharing the stage with some of these national speakers so yeah. that you can get to know who lives in your backyard. Cause there's some incredible people doing remarkable work right here in our own backyard. And we don't even know. So this is wow. just a really exciting event and we're super, super pumped for it. Honestly, a little overwhelmed. This is bigger <laughs> than anything I've ever done. Oh, I can't, yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine that. You know, I've thought about that idea before and you just think about the, all the planning and the time and what, what date, what date is the event? It's June 24th and doors will open at 9 a.m. Our first speaker is actually uh, a friend of my son's. He he practices mixed martial arts and he's an adaptive athlete. So he only has one leg and he he taps my 19 year old son every morning. <laughs> in wow. jiu-jitsu he's just an incredible human being and i've interviewed him on my podcast so i'm really excited he's just getting his speaking uh career started but he has just some phenomenal information to share he, he something you would really be interested in is he traveled to dubai to to in a to do a jiu-jitsu uh championship and there they actually don't have a word to describe disabled um, they don't, they don't say disabled. They, they say empowered. Oh boy. I mean, that's, uh, that's fantastic. So he's yeah. going to talk about that message and say to each people, you know, oh, this is an empowered person. This is, you know, this is someone who, who is, uh, empowered. So I just, I just love his message that he's going to share with us on that day. So I'm really excited to help him get started in his speaking career because everybody needs to know his message. He's been through quite a trial in his life with cancer, uh, losing his wife to cancer and then losing his leg after that. He's also a veteran. He's served for us. So there's just incredible wow. human beings in our backyard and we, we don't even realize it. So it's, I'm, I think I'm more excited about that, you know, that these people are getting the opportunity. So, boy, does that sound that sound great? So I'm gonna uh, have Don play the clip next about your summit. So we'll close with that, and then I'll do a brief closing. I'll come back to you for the final word. So go ahead, Don. You can play. Join us for the Naturally Inspired Health Summit. Find real solutions for healthy living. June 24th at the Ranch in Loveland, next to the Budweiser Event Center. Keynote speakers include Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Ben Tapper, Patrick Wood from Technocracy News. Tickets are on sale for only $20 until May 1st. They increase after that. Get your tickets today. For more information and to purchase your tickets, visit naturallyinspiredhealthsummit.com or eventbrite.com. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a real nice promo video. You know, when I hear you talk, Tammy, it's been neat to get to know you over this past year since Grace died. And, you know, you are one of the people that has shown me how programmed I've been. And, you know, thankfully, God gave me heart disease because that was my first wake up call. But I mean, I got a long ways to go. And, you know, what you shared today is is super helpful. It's uh, heart disease was a step in the right direction. And there's way more steps to 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 be totally healthy. So it's impressive what you put together. You know, we're, we are responsible to reclaim the life that God gave us. And what Tammy did today is showed is showed a step 
toward that end relative to what we eat. Now, a long time ago, well, maybe not, maybe five years ago, I watched a movie about a championship women's basketball team. And the coach said that she wanted each team member to write down everything they know about basketball. So she passed out pens, piece of paper, everybody's supposed to write everything you know about basketball. And then what she did next was she had each person crumble the piece of paper up and throw it into the trash. And when I, you know, I hear what you're saying, it's really the same thing. Write down everything that you think is true about food and then crumble it up and throw it in the trash because then you can start over with a clean slate. And, you know, that is that is the same um message that god gives us that's the the spirit of repentance when we repent we start over with a clean slate and um that's beautifully put i want to leave with that because you know if you if you um think you're going to have a hard time doing this realize that jesus said apart from me you can do nothing and if food has been your achilles heel you can repent of that and and rely on the one who is the real prince, not the prince of this world. And so that's my close. And Tammy, you have the final word. Yeah. And I, I would just like to add to that too, that um, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be this dramatic change in lifestyle. You don't have to tackle everything at once. Small changes is what will add up to a gradual change over time. Too, too many times we're convinced that we need a silver bullet. We need a surgery. We need a pill. We need something that will just fix this problem. And unfortunately, that's not how problems are usually fixed. They're fixed slowly over time, gradually by implementing small changes, small systems that you can work with. And nobody is more qualified. I cannot stress this enough. Nobody is more qualified to build a healthy lifestyle for yourself than you. Nobody is. Just like my husband, when he went and researched what was going on with our son, do you think he's more driven to find that answer? Or this doctor who has six other patients on the go. It's right on. You know, you are qualified. And that's what's been stolen from us. The, the, the confidence in who we are and what we're capable of. You are most certainly capable to design your own health. God said so. Yeah, that's right. Well, Tammy, it was just a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. I always love talking to you and I follow your story so closely and I we're getting close to a win there for Grace. Well, thank you. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. Further details, we return you now to your regularly scheduled program.